A man become preeminent, he is expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Welcome to the Pull Hitter Podcast, your destination for actionable resources and tools to grind your way to ultimate fantasy baseball success. I'm Rob DiPietro, the Dead Pull Hitter. You could catch me on Twitter at Dead Pull Hitter and the Pull Hitter Pod at Pull Hitter Pod. Today is the AL Central Breakdown with my man Ryan Roof. We are going to a new format today. Instead of spending a whole bunch of time on one team, we're going to blast through about 10, 15 minutes on each team. Again, just focusing on some of the latter half of ADP, maybe some of the players you're not going to hear talked about a lot on podcasts. So past usually past 150 ADP, any kind of platoons or um, prospects, fifth starters, stuff like that, we're going to get into um ryan what's up man how you doing today good man thanks for having me back let's get let's get right into it let's Excited. get right into it let's start with your team the cleveland guardians i purposely have not listened to the one with bubba yet because i didn't want to get biased by your decisions yet and your so that's actually on my next listen to after we're done because i wanted to hear your guardian takes fresh from fresh from the source first. So um, what's your first bullet point you want to hit with the Guardians? Um, looking at their their catching options, it's uh, a couple intriguing options for me. Uh, Bo Naylor, Mike Zunino. Um, I think both have a little bit of appeal. And um, really, it just comes down to comfortability. Um, and... Like I've been taking Zunino as my catcher too. Like uh, I'll in in a few DCs, um, just because you, you get him so late. Um, usually try to pair him with with one of the elite guys, but um, I don't know. I haven't been able to 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 land on Naylor yet, and um, wondering if I'm gonna miss out potentially. But um, what about you? Do you think? You'd be comfortable with either of these guys as your catcher too, or are you not looking at either of them? I got a nailer in the first draft that we did. Um, and I took him as my catcher too. And that was early um, in the draft season. Obviously we started in August and continued the slow draft in October. They have since then signed Mike Zanino. So I thought he was going to get that clear path to being the guy, but guess I should have stole a little bit past the, you know, let's not throw the kitchen sink at this young kid already. Um, I do love the skill set. The power and speed seems really great um, from scouting reports. Um, seems like he's a little passive in his own swinging, but that shows in the walk rate. Um, I don't know how you can take the fact that they tried to trade for Sean Murphy and were very active and vocal about it. Um, but I guess that it doesn't take the way... 
the point that you can, you know, carry two multiple talented catchers. Uh, I think they gradually get him involved. Um, I'm looking at the rest of their catchers. I know they took two catchers from the Royals that are not on their 40 man that rate pretty well defensively. Um, they also have Brian Lavastida, who is on the 40 man. And I think he gets the first crack at back and Zanino up. Not a great um, bat if you look at last year's result. Um, he puts the ball on the ground a lot, but um, very good K rate and very good walk rate in AAA. Um, 20.9% K rate and 9.5% walk rate in AAA. If that translates to the MLB, do you know how many catchers fit that threshold with over 200 plate appearances, Ryan? I do not. Seven. There's uh, Danny Jansen, Will Smith, Adley Rutschman, Alejandro Kirk, Yasmani Grandal, Austin Barnes, Omar Nevarez, and Logan O'Hoppy. Um, interesting group. Um, yeah. What I saw, too, in his home run parade appearance is, is um, it's pretty good for a minor league bat. And I know he, he was rising tool-wise for the bat, and then he kind of took a step back last year. But I do think that they are going to give him one more crack um, at getting his feet underneath him and a shot at backing up Zanino. The other hope, thing – I the hope other so. thing, I yeah, like um, Lavastida because I, I took him last year in DCs. Um, he was, you know, gives you a little bit of speed too. Um, right. So, yeah, I hope he gets another opportunity. He really, he really, he opened um, he camp with the, he broke camp with the team last year. But um, yeah, maybe, maybe he's the one that backs up Zunino at first, get Naylor in the minor or triple A to start. And then once he's ready, you know, maybe we'll they'll flip flip him. But yeah, yeah. Interesting name not to forget about for sure. And so Danino, um, as well, um, there was a couple of spots where I had the opportunity to take him or Mitch Garver, and I took Mitch Garver instead. And I know he doesn't have catcher eligibility yet in the NFBC, but I figure he should get that by May for sure. And I just like his overall bat better than Danino. I think he can carry a better batting average. So I've been going there too. If I look for a catcher two in that range, if I miss on the Bethancourt, Fortes, Bunch, there's a couple of other catchers in that range. But for Zanino, he had not reached the 400 plate appearance mark since 2018. He topped that at 476 in 2014. Um, however, in his aggregated um, projection, he's got about 330 plate appearance, still leaves you with a profitable catcher at his ADP right now. So I would say, yeah, I would be okay with it but not really comfortable with it. Um, he did have thoracic out, outward syndrome surgery on July 28th. Um, I'm not a doctor, but I know I have experience with, um, you know, people who've had that. And it's um, my chiropractor explained the procedure and the rest of it to me. And it's really not, um, it's really not great, you know, Um they actually remove your first rib and some of like the scar tissue around it and even some neck muscles sometimes. But um, he did miss time with um, tendon, tendonitis, they said, in the shoulder and the bicep. But it was probably just that that was bothering him all along. So, um, But I do like the thump. So I'll give him some thump and I'll I'll take him as a catcher too. But a nailer, I, I think he's like a luxury catcher three. 
But at that ADP of 320, that's not going to happen. But you can take him as your catcher too. But maybe, you know, you don't want to spend too many assets on catchers up top because it's still like the, now the pitching start dwindling, right, Ryan? The, the yeah. full-time bats start dwindling. So you're just going to need to get back on the catcher train or like with a secure plate appearance guy. So maybe you wait later on in the 500s and you grab a guy you think is going to play every day, but just might not be great offensively you know exactly um, yep yeah so um your next bullet point here on the dock was talking about james Kerinchak, trevor stefan and um henches 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 how you say Hen it henches henches i gotta get a pronunciation yeah. guy i thought it was that but um and you were wondering why there's such a big discrepancy in adp between them um so what what do you think is the is the big reason of the discrepancy between them you know, I, I mean, Karen checks obviously got so much upside. Um, the K rate's just insane. When he's on, he's just, he's so good. Um, but I'm not even sure right now he's the backup closer to class, to class A. Like if, if something happened to class A, like I almost think Stefan would, would get that opportunity before Karen check just because of the walks. Um, I feel like Karen checks more the like seventh, eighth, eighth inning fireman type guy um, as opposed to the closer. Now I know he's got the closing experience. He was co-closers with class A in 2021, but I just think there's just a, you know, 200 pick difference between Karen check and Stefan and Stefan, Stefan could be just as good and possibly get more saves. And I just think people are kind of sleeping on Henches. I just think Henches has just as much, much upside as Karen check and stuff and do. So I just was like, there's a little bit of a discrepancy in the ADP. I understand it because, you know, Karen check's got the, the closing experience, but I'm not sure there should be such a huge discrepancy there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, last year, um, you know, they, they got some equal shots at, at closing. Um, right. I believe Stefan had three and Karen check had three yep. also. Yes. Um, yep. To me, I think, yeah, I think we're thinking about that that past where he was the guy at one point before Class A came around and started dominating. But it doesn't mean that he will just be the only guy if Class A does happen to get hurt. You know, I do, I do think that it'll, they'll kind of split it um, and play a little matchup there. Um, yeah. And Stefan, yeah, is really good. I'm, I mean, he's he's one of my trade spec targets late. You know, in the draft for sure. Um, he's just great numbers across the board. Um, does doesn't walk anyone really. Six point seven walk percentage, uh, thirty point seven K percentage. Just really good metrics across the board. Sierra XFIP. Um, I I love his arm and like you said, Henches is yeah. He he pitched really really solid. You know, fifty yeah. um sixty two innings, seventy two Ks. Um, playing a save plus hold league. You know eight holds, but um, you might get more of an opportunity to to um, get that bunch up there. But uh, my thing is just Karen Jack. It's just his game leverage index was fifth overall on that pen. So nothing tells me really that he's going to get the next shot to be the closer. Um, he does have some pros. Um, 2.68 Sierra, 39% K rate. You know, everyone loves that. 14 Ks per nine. Zone contacts, 80%. And his um, infield fly ball is fantastic, which means that he's getting that heater up and he's getting that weak induced contact. 
Um, and the curveball stuff plus is like in the top percentile. Um, negative now. It was way longer than the positives. It's uh, 25% ground ball rate to 51% fly ball rate. So we know that helped last year with the weaker ball. But I don't really want to just say, hey, just let up as many fly balls as you can, right? We don't know what baseball is going to do. We're kind of assuming it's going to be the same ball, but I still don't want that many fly balls in my profile. And actually, it's a weird flip-flop. He's almost got like the Mookie bets every like good year, bad year, but a flip-flop with the ground ball and fly ball percentage. Um, you know, and 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 then subsequently, how did the bad get affected if, if the ground ball and fly ball changes? You know, um, yep. he already had... Um, his Babbitt was really low compared to league average. So if that ground ball, and that's with a low ground ball rate, you know, so it was 2.7. The league average is, uh, is uh, 290. So, I mean, I don't know that can flip flop and then easily affect his stats. Um, the swinging strike weight um, while above league average, 12 and a half is league average. Um, I mean, his, sorry, league average is 12. He had a 12 and a half percent swinging strike rate. But it doesn't add up to a 39% K rate. Um, if you read the baseball forecast in the beginning of the book, they got some simple conversions for swinging strike rate to K percentage. And then like normal range for uh, a K percentage with the 12% strike rate is about 25, 26%. So I think that's a little inflated. 13% walk rate, um, 55% first pitch strike, which is terrible. Um and it's the big one, 41% ball rate. That yep. means he throws a ball 41% of the time. That is not good. Nobody with over 10 saves last year had a 40% ball rate. Corey Knable had a 39.3. He lost it. Two relievers had more than six saves with a 40% ball rate. And that was Chapman um, and Tapera and Maddie Bonds and LeClerc. So... I don't know. It's just not good company. Um, he doesn't get swings outside the zone. Um, super high call strike rate too, which I don't know. It's hard for me. I guess maybe guys are looking fastball and he sneaks in a, I mean, uh, maybe they're looking curve and he sneaks in the fastball and that's what they're looking at. Um, also the location on his four seamer is not really great on, you know, Zaris's uh, location. Um, stuff plus chart, the four seam, it's got 87%, 87 grade, which is next to Amir Garrett. Um, I don't know. I don't really like that. Um, and when he behind an account, I looked at the heat maps, he just really lays it over the plate. So there's a lot of things there that I just really don't like. And I just think ultimately that he will kind of share um, the role with somebody else if Class A does get hurt. But I like Stefan here as the, as the, it's the best arm in the pen. The yeah, for A. sure. Yeah, and and I don't think I'll have any Karen check at, at ADP three sixty eight, um, unless maybe um, want to back up Class A. But I mean, at that point, it's like I don't know. I don't think the whole handcuff thing is necessary. Yeah, I think with, it's like yeah. you know, like if you have some like let's say you have two closers in the top two hundred, like. And one of them's Class A and one of them's Fairbanks. You don't have to get both of their handcuffs. Um, because I think with a guy like Class A, you know, the handcuff is for injury, but 
literally you're taking him because you think you're never going to have to use another closer. Yeah. So that handcuff is like, if you're taking so many handcuffs, it's, I'd rather take a shot at a spec on a weaker pen, you know? Yeah, um, exactly. Again, I'm not against handcuffing, but just don't get all of your handcuffs. So all of everyone else's handcuffs, like, right. I don't know. That's just um, one quick thing before we move on to the twins is Oscar Gonzalez. He's been like a polarizing guy for me to gauge his value for is some things I love about him. Some things I don't um, got a great max EV, great K percentage. Um, he went on a tear at the end of the season um, into the playoffs. There are definitely paths to like solid average. It's the power that I'm a little torn on. Um, he doesn't hit many fly balls. Um, it's got a high, and on top of that, he's got a high pulled home run to fly ball percentage, which is 46% versus league average of 37. So if he's not hitting a lot of fly balls, but he's getting over, you know, the league average on that, if that regresses, we might even see less overall power than he had last year. Um, he does pull the ball a lot, 44% pulled rate, which is great, but 64% of those balls are grounders. Um, he had 70% of his five balls to center field and right field. I would just like to see more of those pulled. Um, I don't know. His BAPIP is over 240, but he hits a ton of ground balls. And he had 88% sprint, 88 percentile sprint speed, which I was kind of shocked to see. Um, so I just don't know how to gauge him. And I don't know if he's not playing at the top of his game. Does he, you know come out for maybe nail or playing the outfield a little bit or do, you know, I know they have a bunch of good outfielders in the organization too, as well as Will Brennan, who's already there. That looks pretty solid. So I think his playing time to start is like full-time PT, but I could see not a lot of power output, but yep. I want to like him. I want to like him. I'm so torn between him. I, I'm, I don't know. I don't know what to feel about him completely. I'm I'm right there with you. He's he's been very polarizing for me too. Because when it when it comes around the time where he's going, I'm just like I just I always think about him, and then it's just like no, uh, there's like I I could see like Will Brennan just taking over right field. Um, Brennan's really good, um, yeah. and I can see like Gonzalez kind of taking a little bit of a step back this year uh, as as pitchers adjust to him and stuff see that k rate climbing a little bit into the 20s um i don't know yeah I, i'm i'm with you too and and i think um i don't know he has he has that solid average upside but like you know i'm not sure he's gonna hit 296 again you know yep maybe like 270 it's probably a lot more realistic um, right because if he does hit a lot more fly balls than maybe, you know, yeah. you know, less, less, less balls in play to get a hit on, but I don't know. Um, definitely interesting, interesting player right there. Um, all right, let's move on to the twins. Yep. My timer, my timer just, just went off for the, uh, <laughs> for, the for the guardians. <laughs> yeah. Um, the twins, interesting tidbit you noted here, not one player with an ADP higher than 112 since January 1st bucks in with the highest at 112. Um, what do you want to talk about first with the twins? Uh, just their starting pitching. Um, it's it's so weird how they've assembled this this rotation of like all injured guys. Basically, yeah. it's just like yeah, Pablo Lopez uh, and, and all these guys are going after uh, you know pick pick one fifty. So 
Um, I think there could be some potential profit here if they stay healthy, but um, yeah, Pablo Lopez, 159, Sonny Gray, 214 ADP, um, Ober, 265, but he's going to probably slip um, now that they acquired Lopez, Tyler Molly, Kenta Maeda. So I don't know. Who's your favorite out of this group? Um, out of this group, I think for where they are in ADP, and ADP, the, yeah, yeah, and for the builds that I that I find that I like, what I see most optimal to me, I like Gray and and Maeda, where they fall. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think Gray. I think Gray is still being a little underprojected. I think he definitely got a lot better skills than what's being projected for. Um. And I still, I still, I'm still a fan of his pitch mix and his pitch ability per se. Um, and I like Maeda, just giving him the benefit of the doubt of the injury. I think at 331, it's 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 a really good spot to get him. Um, yeah, it's like after uh, it, it's pitching gets tricky after the likes of him and the Carlos Carrasco bunch, and they're kind of bunched up in there in that ADP. Um, Ober is sliding, like you mentioned. Um, only three DCs since the Lopez trade on January twentieth, but he's uh, his ADP is three forty, so he's he's sinking down there. He went three forty actually in my current draft too. So um, I'm gonna buy that dip if it keeps falling for sure. Um, yeah. I have him on DCs already. I have him on Gladiators, which I'm really mad about, but um, I just portend this at all. Mentioning him starting in Triple A, but I don't know. I think he's a really Bailey Ober is a really good pitcher. I think we saw that at the end of the season too when he came back. Um, but he's nursing. He nursed that crazy injury last year that nobody knew what was until he came back. And like you mentioned, everyone here is kind of injury prone. So I'm thinking that Ober is still gonna get a fair amount of innings. You know, maybe not the 160 I thought he was, but 140 for sure. You know, um, yeah. and Tyler Motley may be the most interesting risk reward, probably best suited for a fab league, but he's two years away from 180 innings pitched in 210 Ks. Now, there's a lot of guys going around where he is that not a lot, but there's a good amount of those innings eaters type, you know, that maybe not have the best upside with Ks per se, your Marcus Stroman types. Um, he can be that guy. I know that, but the shoulder injuries are just really, really alarming. That's why in a draft and hold, I would pass. But in a fab league, you know, if you're, if especially in a 12 team league where maybe he's like, you know, your eighth or ninth starting pitcher, and you right. could just like cycle him out of there if he's hurt and just pick up another pitcher, it shouldn't be that bad. Um, yeah, so. 200k upside if he stays healthy. I mean, that's we've seen him do it before, so um. Yeah, I think there's there's um he's an interesting one for sure. Yeah. So they traded for Michael A. Taylor um to back up Byron Buckton's knees and body. Um, <laughs> um to me, I, I, I think this doesn't really change Buxton's overall projection. I think I'm still gonna like allow him that same playing time that I thought he was going to get. Um now we just know that he has a way better backup than you know, Gilberto Celestino. Um, <laughs> so, because Michael think... Taylor is good. I like him, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, 
really improved his 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 contact and batting average. Um, I think I think potentially. I mean, I know Buxton is just so good defensively, right? But I wonder if he just DHs so much more now. Maybe that's the path to him staying much healthier now that they have a, a stud out there in center to back him up. So that's definitely doable. I mean, I'm looking at the DH projections on the depth charts on Fangraft, and it's got Buxton for 210 period parents at DH, Trevor Larnack at 154, Matt Walner. Look kind of like it's a sneaky little power bat. He showed some thump in his bat, but you know, Royce Lewis calls Correo for 60 plate appearances. Um, that may be the path, you know. Um yeah. yep. may be the path to him really. But then e- even if you don't want to get super aggressive with Buxton, um, plate appearance, I think you just have to realize that when you pick him, what what you get on a per plate appearance basis is fantastic and in a fab league even in a drafting whole league you got to add in that you know replacement value of someone else when he's not in the game you know that you're going to fill in it's not just buxton stat you get you get buxton plus some other even if it's a meatball you know yeah buxton plus a meatball is pretty solid um Exactly. I just think at the I think at the ADP, I think I think he's gonna ride when it comes to the main event as well. Because last year we saw him smash the ball in spring training. He went shooting up the charts. It's gonna happen again. We know it's gonna happen again. You know, we're gonna and plus in Fab too, maybe people feel more comfortable of swapping out his you know stats for another guy that you could just really get an ultimate player between them. Right. Yeah, I think I think where he's going right now, um, round seven, round eight. You went you went the end of round eight in my DC. What's going on right now? I mean, that's just it seems crazy. I mean, like remember last year, like fifth, fourth round, like when draft started, and then by the time main event came around, he was he was what like a didn't he move up to like the second round or something like that? Um, get that off the top of my head, but. Yeah, um, this like, could be what, this could be the really year. What really changed? Like, like, what really changed between last year and then this year in terms of who Byron Buxton is? Right. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Yeah. And then let's see. Main event last year. Uh, Buxton. Buxton. Buxton went. Average ADP of twenty six point five three last year in the main event. Let's do a little storyline. Uh, early DCs, early DCs. Um, it's in October through December of last year, uh, which is twenty twenty one technically. Um, where are you, Brian Buxton? Not showing up. All right, look at this. Oh, there it goes. Buxton was October through December. He was 67.5. So it's interesting. He's very, he had a decent range there. And then from December through February, so January through February, 58. So he went up eight spots. And then March on, he went to 45. So 65, 58, 45, and then 26 for the main event. So 
Just give him a 40, a 40 pick jump and just say he gets into the 70, 80 range, maybe by rain event. Again, once he starts smashing the ball, yeah. <laughs> spring training and everyone goes yeah. gaga again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's, it's, it's just like he's going 100 picks later than he was last year. And I mean, it's just. And he's the know. same guy. The same guy. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. I don't this know. could be the year. This could be it. <laughs> this could be the year. This could be it. Yeah, I mean, his like skills wise. I mean, if he took away injuries, he would go like if he if he if he had the health of Mookie Betts, I think he would go where Mookie Betts goes, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, poor guy. I wish I wish he just gets one year. You know, one year, just one, one year. year. We're rooting for you, Byron. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so. Alex Karoloff, I just, um, I can't do it. I can't do it in draft and hold. I know the skills are great. Triple A, minors, everything's off the charts. WRC plus, whatever you want to look at, you know, hits the ball hard, doesn't strike out a lot, all that fun stuff. But this guy just has issues with his wrist all the time. And I know they like restructured some of the bone and ligaments in his wrist to like make it less pain free. But I just can't do it. I can't do it in draft and hold. And I, I don't think I'm even going to bother in fab. Like if, if he blows up and I don't have him, I'm comfortable with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Yep. Yeah. Jose Miranda, ADP 155. I pulled up him and Brandon Rogers. And they're exactly the same person. And Brandon Rogers goes pick 265, 270. So 100, 115 picks later than Miranda. 115 picks later. I just don't I don't see it. I, I, I think the hit tool is good, but I don't know. He's just like he he had the super high O swing too, which is you don't really get tagged when you have a good hit tool, but he makes up for with being aggressive in the zone, kind of like Javi Baez, but he doesn't have that thump Javi Baez does, you know. He hits um twenty percent of twenty-eight percent of his balls in the air go over a hundred miles an hour. That's not really good. It's in a lower percentile of the league. Um, for someone too, with such a good projected hit tool, he does not hit the ball to the opposite field with authority. Um, usually, you know, guys who had some good hit tools or even just slapping the ball the other way can go there with some authority, but he doesn't uh, big pulling up the middle swing. He pulled 13 of his 15 barrels. Nine of them went for home runs, which is good. That's a 69% home run to pull barrel rate, and the league average is 65. But his distance on those pull barrels is six, uh, five feet short than league average. So I don't know if he's just barely getting those balls over and whatnot. Um, so I don't know. I just don't – how can we project him for more than he's – projected for and then how can you not like if you just remove the positions right and this is this is the position too where you really kind of want like a, a little more thump i guess or more of something that stands out maybe it's the double like dual eligibility that's making him pick 155 i just don't see if you want this stat line i think you can just pick brendan rogers later you know exactly yeah it's we i think it's i, I just think it's third base you know, the, how weak the, he, he's going in that range where it's like, it really kind of falls off a cliff right after that little, I mean, 
I like the later guys. I've actually been waiting on third base. Yeah, you um, wait for Yandi. For and Yandi, he, yeah. And he Round outvalues 16. Jose Miranda exactly in his sleep. Right. No yeah. matter how much. Yandi and Justin he, Turner. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. I don't have any Miranda yet. It's he's it it's really weird too, because like he had 30 homers in the minors in 2021. And then but yeah, like all those things you mentioned about about the fly balls and yeah, the weak. I don't know. I can't do it. Yeah, can't do I'm, it. I'm not comfortable. I'm not comfortable with it at that in that range. Um, I mean, if he was yeah. going at pick two seventy five, I might consider. You know, he'd be an option. He still wouldn't even be the choice, but he'd be an option. Then he was where, he. He was leading off at the end of last year, so that's a little appealing. Interesting. But, yeah, not sure what we're going to get. Yeah. Uh, this is the year he blows up, probably, because dog. He, he might. No, listen, yeah. listen. He, he, he got the, he's got the pedigree to do it. He, I just don't see it now. I can't. He doesn't show one thing to, like, be – speculative to get that you know it's like you we all want to say oh that's um i think toby bathflip crazy said it best on his pod it's, it's just like we all want to be able to say yeah um i project this guy for that oh i'll tout this guy to do that but you have to you have to show something within the skill set to be to say oh yeah you can get there you know but he doesn't show that one thing that right i think that you can get there um all right chicago white Sox. Who we got first? Andrew Benintendi, uh, pick 218 um, since January 1st. Moves to a, one of the best hitters parks in the league um, after being in one of the worst. Um, I, just, I just think there's he's he's a great pick at this range. I uh, really like him a lot and going to try to be getting a lot of him. Um, so what about you? Yeah, I'm... Um... I'm a Benintendi fan for sure. Um, I had a lot of him last year, and I think he was like, I would say the poster boy for the that 15 to 20 homer guy that we were kind of using in our lineup to get to, you know, to like the balance profile, you know, little speed, a little power, good average, and that you could piece together after you got some power hitters to, you know, get you some steals, get you some homers. But I think yeah. he was one of the poster boys for losing that power because of the balls, especially. Um, but this, I mean, the hit tool is still there, you know, for sure. He hit three or four. I mean, his the K percentage was as best as that ever. Uh, walk percentage is great. Um, what I liked about him is he's on record talking about him adapting his swing to to fit Kaufman. Um, so when you play with the Royals, it's obviously we know it's a big park, not really friendly to batters. And then he made an adjustment to Yankee Stadium too, you know. So when he went there, like he upped his fly ball percentage in Yankee Stadium itself. In in those sixty six plate appearances in Yankee Stadium, ten percent his fly ball percentage went ten percent. It could be obviously small sample, but I just like his approach and his hit tool tells me. And when he says, those, like, I made a swing adjustment, I made an approach adjustment, he just seems like the type of guy that can change that and 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 implement it, you know? 
Um, when from 727 on July 27th on when he got traded, his battle percentage went up too. Um, went from five to seven and a half. Yeah. Um, in Yankee Stadium, um, 66 plate appearances, 11.6 battle percentage, and guaranteed rate field plays better than Yankee Stadium for lefties. It's crazy, but it does. Um, I just just by the approach and the numbers at the parks, I I trust him being able to piece together that solid 15, 15. I'll give him 15. I think I'm going to be a little aggressive because I think he's also like an intellectual player and he'll take advantage of the pitch clock or whatever he can. I think he'll use he'll yeah. leverage, you know, his speed. And yeah, so I like him. I like him where he's going for sure. Yep. I agree. Uh, yeah. I thought, I thought that was a good spot for him. Um, and then uh, a little bit later, um, a couple injured starters, um, one Michael Kopech, and then uh, bag I guess of shit, I had the, Mike yeah, Clevenger. Bag of shit, Clevenger. Yeah. <laughs> bag of shit, Clevenger. Yeah, I guess I uh, put him on this outline before uh, that news broke. Um, Just because now I don't even really want to talk about him at all. Yeah, <laughs> Give him we don't have to talk day, about so. him. We don't talk about him. I mean, we don't have to. I, I mean. Yeah, he just sucks. He's, doesn't yeah, totally sucks too. It just he just seems like a hippie type too, and hippies don't do that, man. Laid yeah. back hippies don't don't act like bags of shit like he did. Well, his nickname so, was Sunshine. Like he rides a skateboard around. Hey, like it's just I don't know. You know, whatever. You can't be stereotypical. Can't judge a book by its cover for sure. I mean, with that one, but yeah. But Kopech. So I like him for Fab League especially. Um think he comp very similar to the guy we just mentioned, Tyler Molly. Um, yeah. I just feel like his needs hurt his ability to pitch and command. I think if you look at the release point on Savant, you'll see that. You'll see it change through the course of the season. So I don't know if he was compensating for that. You know, to, um, you need your knees. It's, it's a big part of leverage when you're moving in anything, not only just pitching, just in life. His splits versus lefties and righty are kind of mixed, but they're not horrible overall. Um, he's pretty good versus lefties, 29% K rate, uh, high walk rate of 14%, but he lets a lot of barrels, 12.3% barrel rate versus lefties. Uh, the four seam is really good. Um, 11 and a half swing and strike rate. League average is 9.3. The CSW on it is 31. League average 26. Got the great VAA. That that. At vertical tag angles, look, look, you know, it's got that ride like we like. Um, but the slider was interesting. It lost 8% on a swinging strike rate. It went from 17.7 to 9.8. League average is 15.4. So he went from above league average to really below league average. CSW on that pitch went from 35 to 23.1. League average 29.5. So looks like it was more in the middle of the zone and less glove side too. I watched some videos. It just, it looked different. He... Added more drop to it, but I had a lot less horizontal movement, and the velo was the same. So doesn't something doesn't add up there, and I don't know if that just gets back to release point, you know. Um, yeah. He first got pulled from a game on June thirteenth, where he said he had been experiencing knee discomfort for quote unquote couple of starts, um, and he also had a disaster start on June first, uh, which he let up seven runs. But his first ten games, including that June first start, was a twenty five and a half K to twelve percent walk rate so i trust that i trust the pitching model there i trust cats to you know 
get him going further. You know, I think a lot of time we, especially a guy like Kopech with this huge pedigree, we expect monster leaps forward, but sometimes maybe we just need little steps forward. And I think that I'll trust him taking another little step forward. And I think just with a little step, he's probably returned to better profit than some of the guys going ahead of him. Yeah, that's such a great point. Like just we expect so much from guys with the the pedigree he has. Like he's and maybe he comes out and he, you know, pitches like Strider did last year or something like that, you know? Yeah. But you know, the 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 command is a little little rough. Um and I was just looking through his game log, 25 starts last year. He had more walks than strikeouts in six of them. Um, and a lot of like low strikeout games too. Um, the K rate just plummeted. So you know, going into the rotation, but uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think there's some appeal here. And um, even if he's a little bit better than he was last year, I think, I think you're absolutely right. in saying, you know, he's could return a profit better than some of the guys going in his range. So. I totally, I totally agree with that. I, um, again, minor step forward. I think, I think, I think a lot of that had to do with the injuries. I'm just going to peg it to the injury. It seems like it was bothering almost all of the season. So as long as he's healthy and he can go forth with that, um, I like it. All right. Mr. Closer guy himself, Ryan Roof, handles the closer grid on RotoWire.com. You have your closers in waiting ranks. Got two guys from this bullpen here. Well, actually, that was before Liam Hendricks got injured. Sorry. I didn't, I don't think I updated this on my sheet. On my but Kendall Graveman versus Ronaldo Lopez. Tell me your thoughts. Who do you like better here? The ADP is pretty different. So the two fifty nine. For Graveman, since um, the Hendricks news with a minimum pick of 208, uh, Ronaldo Lopez is in the now 430 range. But the o- the online championship ADP, which I found fascinating, Kendall Graveman 228, Ronaldo Lopez 347, which is yeah. wild because I think in OCs, like, there's plenty of saves to get to grab on the wire. And I just feel like th- both of them actually may be a little too rich. Yep. I I completely agree. I will have no Graveman at all. Um, even though he's pretty high up on my closers and in, in waiting rankings, uh, you know, just probably fills in for Hendricks at the start of the year. I think he just gets the opportunity just because he's, you know, the veteran uh, reliever there, but I just don't see it. Like he, 2021 was an outlier season. If you look at his career, uh, career 134 whip. And just, it's just a hard pass for me. I, I have no interest. Um, Lopez, I am interested in, but like you said, the, the more people are talking about him and speculating, um, his price is certainly climbing and it's almost to a, to a range where I'm not sure I'm going to get to him either. So, um, he doesn't have a single career save yet. Mm, um, great point. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I like Lopez. I think he's he's probably the best pitcher in this bullpen. Um, they do have some other veteran guys. Aaron Bummer has saved some games before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Kelly, 
pretty solid veteran has, has done the same. So Jake Diekman, still, right? Yeah. Jake Diekman. Um, I just think they could just go to a lot of different guys here. I think, and and I think Graven still probably gets that first opportunity to fill in for, for Liam, but yeah, it's uh, like, I'm, I'm out on these guys. And also like, we also have a new manager, right? Yeah. So it's not that um, Tony LaRusso, old school coach of just the one guy, you know? So while there, there's obviously, we're not saying that if Liam Hendricks was available, he'd be, you know, there'll be going back and forth because obviously he, that's not going to happen. That wouldn't happen, but he's out of the picture and they don't have that clear cut stud guy, new manager too, who may want to just mix it up as much as he can, you know, yeah. um, but given the cost too, I would agree with you. I'll go Lopez. Um, if I needed saves in that where Graveman is, I'd, I'd grab Kyle Finnegan over him for sure. You know, um, Absolutely. I feel like Graveman just doesn't have that one outstanding pitch and he's just, doesn't really stand out anywhere. And he's just more suited to be like, he was good for the ancillary saves. Like when Hendricks was around and I just feel like he's more suited for the setup role. And Lopez is stuff plus and location plus way better than Graveman's, especially on the four seamer. Um, 40% O swing on the four seamer. The league average is 26, four. I was watching some of the tapes on him just from lefties too. He just puts it like right in their elbow, right on that right elbow, and they just can't do anything, you know? Um, swinging strike rate too on that fourth team is 14%. League average is 10.8. So I would definitely go Lopez. If wouldn't shock me if he has 20 saves, but um I'm not gonna take him at that 347 OC but price, but for 430 ADP and draft champions, I'll I'll probably take a shot there, you know. Because yeah. I think it, I think it's always weighing too. My whole thing is I'm always weighing like how many saves, how like what's the difference of saves? I think we talk about this with like Jason Adams and you know Colin Pache. Like what's what's the difference in the amount of saves you're gonna get from a pick at 400 and 600? You know, like yeah. they're all specs and they're just. I think the resources around 430 might be better. Again, batting is drying up hard around that number <laughs> if, you, right. if if you've been in draft there's no short stops left if like brendan crawford and jp crawford are off there's like nobody left to pick so this it's tough it's tough to grab as many things that we like of course um yeah. oscar colas is one guy you put in the show notes adp at 373 right now and um since january 1st you have any thoughts on him I just, I truthfully, I just don't know much about him. Um, right. I haven't, I haven't um, taken any stabs yet, so I, I'm not sure what to do with him here. This, this is like kind of a range where I don't know. I feel like there's some other, I don't know, sure, th sure things, and like I don't know if Colas is like what is he the next Eloy or is he or, or what? Like, is that the comparison? I don't know. Tell me about him. Yeah, I mean, I think your best your best look is to just go right to rotowire.com and just read the fantasy outlook that James Anderson has on him, you know. He tells it straight straight as is, you know. Um Yeah. I think the one thing that stood out to me reading that James wrote is that he has a chance to be um that he's already like kind of physically maxed out cuz he's 24, you know. So he's pretty much who he's going to be. Now, you know, 
Yeah. Um, not like a, a younger guy coming up where we could project a little bit more maybe than what we've seen so far. Um, he's interesting. I watched some tape. Um, you know, you put him on the notes. So I watched some tape of him and he just seems like he chases a lot. You know, it just seems to be his big neck, his negative, but he's also aggressive, which I also like um, in the zone. Um, there's not too much data, you know, on, you know, exit velocities and stuff like that. But from what the sources I could gather, it seemed average-ish. Um, 24 to 6K to walk, not too bad. Um, projections seem to like him. Um, yeah. Right now, if you give him 400 plate appearances, which he's pretty much around close to, I think it's 350 aggregated between the five projection systems I have. Um, but if you give him 400 plate appearances, he comes out to a uh, player 415, which is like outfield of 88. And you're getting 17 homers, 252 average. So I don't know. Maybe in a fab league, he's your fourth, fifth outfielder shot. And if he's just not good, you drop him. You know, if he makes the yeah. team, you know, if he doesn't make the team, obviously, or if he's not breaking camp starting, um, I wouldn't think about him in a 12 team league, though, for sure. Yeah, looking at and looking at other outfielders in his ADP range, and I'm taking Enrique Hernandez probably there, uh, Andrew McCutcheon. I'm probably, uh, I'm just kind of going those to those guys instead of Colas. What about so, TJ Friedel? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Why not? Why yeah. Not? No, I hear you. It's just um it's interesting to Taylor, see how, Tommy fan. Yeah. It's so it's funny because just... like looking in that range too is not an outfielder, but Brandon Belt, man, he really skied up there. He's a three sixty seven now in the last twelve drafts. That's I'm not doing that either. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> going back to Brandon Belt France from the from Blue Jays. <laughs> All right, on to the Royals. What do we got here with the Royals, Ryan? Yeah, I think um Brady Singer, ADP one seventy five. I mean, I just love that price. I mean, do you think uh, do you think he has a chance to like really take that next step in like like he's obviously the ace of the Royals, but like a legit fantasy ace? I think like, he needs a third pitch to be the next step fantasy ace per se. Yeah, but I like him for who he is. You know, let's embrace people for who they are. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, and I think he's a great fit for a specific build. Like if you have high up, you know, high strikeout guys on your team already, and you just need him, you know, you're just gonna gobble up some innings. Maybe you have a Kershaw with some like Cole or something like that, you know, and he's a good SP four. We're just gonna get you innings and I don't know. I just like that. He, I don't think he has like a his glaring weakness is the lack of the third pitch, but yeah. Um, like some, I've heard some people say or tweet out that they can get this profile later with like a miles M Michaelis or Merrill Kelly, you know? And that makes sense. I, I, I see how someone can think that, but I could say the same thing for possibly waiting for him versus Logan Gilbert or Kyle Wright. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe not wins wise and fine. You could definitely have that. I'll, I'll give you that. But out of those three guys, Logan Gilbert, Kyle Wright and Brady Singer got the best Sierra of the three. Better K minus walk, better CSW. And the second half, he was significantly better in those categories versus those two guys. So yeah, as much as yeah. as much as you could say, I'll wait 
I'll say, okay, well, I'll wait on Logan Gilbert and get him there. You know, um, I don't know. Not to say that Logan Gilbert is, is, is bad or anything. I'm just saying they profile similarly. Um, right. Gilbert did a couple of things to his pitch mix in September that showed maybe he can have a different curveball slider, kind of like a hybrid misclassified pitch, who knows. But, um, and I wouldn't knock Logan Gilbert on becoming better, but I'm just saying, I like it. I like it where he goes. I think if, if you're going to rely on him as an SP3, going to have a strong one and two. But right. mm -hmm. as an SP4 with three decent pitchers up front, I like it. You know, yeah, and you and you compare him to the the pitchers you were just talking about, Gilbert and Kyle Wright, and those guys are going seventy five picks earlier. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of potential value to be had here with the with with him. I think perceived value, yeah, perceived value. Yeah, the value word is getting thrown around hard know, now, even extra hard on Twitter. And I I went through this. I don't think we really knew each other that well back when I popped on the fantasy scene um on twitter but i i, I used to love to fuck with people about wh what is value what do you mean value no i got this great value with this pick there is no value yet at the end of the season you had value if he does well yes 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 perceived value just throw the extra word in there and i won't bug you yeah anyway well, yeah, um, center field is another position that uh, really opens up for Kansas City with the trade of Michael Taylor to Minnesota. Uh, several candidates to to fill that role all going pretty late. Uh, Drew, well, excuse me, Drew Waters, ADP four thirty one since January first. Nate Eaton, uh, five seventy eight, and Kyle Isbell six thirty nine. So uh, yeah, I think uh, I think there's um, lots to like about all these guys. I so. do think too, too. I, I, I like Nate Eaton. I mean, O'Neill Cruz gets all the hype because he has these fast throws and fast speed, but Nate Eaton's right there. He just gets as fast as a throw and just as fast speed. Um, he's interesting. Um, I see him possibly getting, I think his best path to playing time would be if they move Dozier. It's not going to be easy because of the length of the contract. And I've heard Vinny Pascantino on podcast talk about how awesome Hunter Dozier is in the clubhouse, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think Eaton's best path would be at third base if that does happen. Um, and I think he'll get in the mix in the outfield, but not enough to really um, you know, make a huge difference. But the ADP is 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 solid. You know, it's it's 578 at that point, you know, with his speed and his ability to steal bags, he was 11 for 12 last year in 122 plate appearances. So um, he does have good plate discipline, which I like. Um, he's aggressive in the zone, doesn't strike out much. So I like it. I hope he gets some more run. I do think that if you have that kind of pick, 578, and you want to give a shot at him, I think it works, you know. Um doesn't take much to be a uh, a John Birdie type, right? And uh, and go on right. a run. Um, yeah. And who knows? Bags, like, yeah, last year between the minors and majors. So right, and there's a case to be made that he's the same as Esther Ruiz. Exactly. Yep. There's a case to be made that they're the same player. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, 97th percentile sprint speed. So 
it's definitely uh, targeting steals late in the draft. He's, I, you know, Eaton's been one of my favorites all draft season. So, um, but uh, Isbell, um, long been a favorite of mine too. Not sure if he gets, uh, I don't know, between the three. I'm not sure he's better than Drew Waters, but uh, at least offensively, but um, Isbell had that minor league track record and, you know, offensively. So, so maybe, you know, if he can prove he can hit better at the big league level, he'll get more opportunity. But um, I think just Waters got a little bit more upside in that regard. Yeah, I, I do. Um, I mean, you gotta love the, uh, you gotta love the Kyle Isbell driveline videos, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. can't go wrong with those. He was there with Vinny P who knows, maybe you've thought like more Royals there um a shout out to our good friend ryan venancio who's a big royals fan he said that isbell is the better center fielder but he you know i think water plays the most in center or just in general i think he plays the most in the outfield for sure uh they gave up a first round pick for him yeah you know that's big his k percentage last year was 36.7 percent. not pretty right but I mean, if you pull up Brandon Marsh next to him, they're the same guy. Yeah. They're the same guy. Except for his home run per plate appearance was twice as better as Marsh. 21.8 to Marsh's 41.9. So he's hitting the homers every 20, almost every 22 plate appearances. Didn't steal, didn't have an attempt, but the sprint speed is the same as Marsh's. And he was 13 for 13 in AAA. Max EV, 110.6. Love that. From September 22nd on, when he started to get a little more consistent playing time, five of his seven balls that he hit over 100 miles an hour came from September 22nd to October 5th. In those 41 plate appearances, 297 average, 366 OBP, 1.069 OPS, four or five ISO, four jack balls, 20% barrel rate, and 20% blast rate, which means all the barrels were over 100 miles per hour. I just see, I had him in my main event waiting for him, you know, in that last month to get run and I dropped him. And then that week where he did that in those two weeks, uh, I didn't have him and I would have loved to had the option to put him in, you know? Um, But I think that what like a K percentage is, is definitely loud, but I think they'll let him work through it, you know? Um, Yeah. Because everything else seems good. I like those tools. They're loud. He's a toolsy guy. So, and I said the first round pick to get him should uh, really, really the top. All right. What do we got here? Detroit Tigers, last one in the central, and we're doing good. We're at 55 minutes. All righty. Good. Oh, let's go. Yeah. Um, so, not one player with an ADP higher than 164. That's uh, Javi Baez. <laughs> uh, and and I love bias here. Like I, I really, really like bias. Um, you know, he was a guy we, you know, park park downgrade to Detroit, obviously from, from, from Wrigley, but um, yeah, I love it in this range. Um, Absolutely. Full time PA, which is yep. huge. He has no threat for playing time. Zero. Right. Six for seven. Installing base in the second half, which I thought was a big sign. I think the comment, the big head first diver, thumb injury, right? 
So he hurts his thumb celebrating. Meatball move, right? But, you know, new team. Ryan, he wanted to celebrate. It was early in April. He wants to get in there and show, show him, like, yo, I'm one of the guys. You know, I'm I'm a guy. You know? But um, three of his 15 hardest hit balls came before April 15th when he hit the IL for that thumb injury. He started off with the old Javi approach and became a different batter after the IL. What different what I mean? So different. That his rolling average graph for contact percentage reached the peak we haven't seen since 2019 in July and August, which ironically was when he had a left thumb injury. So same thing happened. Less swings in the zone, more reaching. It's almost like he was he wasn't confident, you know. He was just like trying to get the bat in the ball instead of just not playing, you know, through the injury. Um you take away his May, which I think is like probably yeah, is maybe a narrative I'll probably creating, but it's probably most likely his most painful stretch after like going on the IL for the thumb injury. We take away that May, the 257 average for the season, and his home run to pay appearance is right with his career average. Um, what I don't like about it that his zone swing percentage was his lowest since 2016. Coincidentally, the last time he'd under 20 homers in a full season was in 2016 when his Z swing, his own swing was that low. So we all know his O swing tendencies, and that is high, but I don't, there's some guys who I, I don't care about that with, because he makes up for it with that loud contact. So I think that he just got to get back to being aggressive in the zone, you know, utilize yeah. those hard hit tendencies. So I like Javi here too. I think that I like him better than Estrada. Um, yeah. Like guys in that range, um, I think he's, yeah, I think he's solid, and I think, I think you're gonna get, you know, twenty and twelve season minimum. Yeah, I'm not sure who wrote Javi Baez's uh, Rotowire outlook, but whoever did, um, get some kudos because uh, he starts it out by saying, "Everyone remembers the infamous ceremonial first pitch by Fifty Cent years ago." Yes. Baez would have absolutely swung at that pitch in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> this is great, man. I love it. Oh my god, that's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. So whoever that, wrote that that outlook, kudos to you. Yeah, cheers, cheers. That's a uh, yeah. You gotta you gotta include some good old um, good old comedy like that for sure. Yeah. Uh, All right, moving who, moving on. Uh, next guy, post 150 ADP. Wanted to talk about Alex Lang, and oh boy, I got man, in trouble on Twitter. His, his ADP climbed like insane. It's insane. Um, in November, it's going around pick five hundred. Now he's gone as high as pick one forty eight since January first, and I cannot take him there. <laughs> um, you know the. He was one of the guys I had texted you about early on, um, you know, in draft yes, prep. Yes, I remember that. Was like, yeah, I like this guy. You know, Gregory Soto sucks. Like, I'm targeting this guy late. We don't even know right now, now that now that Soto's gone, if he's the closer. Like, we don't know that. And AJ Hinn said, didn't definitively say. Someone will be closing games. Yes, exactly. Right. So they didn't 
And he had no problem saying last year that Soto was the guy, right? right? And then we didn't believe him either. That's the thing. We didn't believe him. We were like, nah, nah he, he, him claiming a guy, nah, nah. And Soto was the guy. So why shouldn't we be taking him? Again, manager speak, we all know that. It can be crazy sometimes, but that was an eerie line. Someone yeah. will be closing games. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, I'm not against taking a shot, but I'm not doing it at pick 148. Like when he was going around pick 500, I was all over it, but but now I'm right completely out. Um, right, right. It's way men pick of 148 when my draft from 167, 188. I just no, no. Like if this is your quote unquote waiting on closer strategy, I just and this is I'm not being mean. I'm just being honest that I just think that it's not the best approach to roster construction. Okay. You can, if you're worried about saves, get a get an earlier closer. You know, we have no idea if he's going to be the closer. Um, yeah. again, I'll go back to the ball percentage over forty percent, right? So go back to listen to my random back, Karen Jack, guys who have over forty percent ball rate, don't really get a run at closer. Um, zone percentage too. Um, it's just not. Just look at the rolling graph, the zone percentage. It goes down. Um, I don't know. His, I get it. The whip percentage on his changeup and curveball elite buying. But I just don't trust the overall profile compared to drafting him here with all that uncertainty, you know? Um, all right. So I don't think, I don't think Jason Foley is the answer. And I don't think Alex Lang is the answer, but I would rather wait. <laughs> I would rather spec on Jason Foley later yep. in the draft. Okay. And I know minor league saves don't translate well, right. But Foley had more minor league saves than Lang. a lot of them, a lot more. Um, what's crazy, crazy about Foley is that on August 19th, he made a huge pitch and change. Slider, his horizontal break on the slider went from three inches to 15. 15. Through August 9th, he had five Ks on the slider. From August 9th on, he had five Ks on the slider. He also got hit a little bit hard, but I'm willing to look at the improvements he made with it too. From that date on, he had a better Sierra, better XFIP, and a better K minus walk than Lang. Again, I'm not saying he's going to be the closer. And I'm not saying maybe he might even have more saves than Lang. But at his cost, I'd rather throw a dart on him than yeah. this 180-ish Lang. I just finished up at DC a couple days ago, and he was still there in round 48. And this was after the Soto trade. So nobody is wants to take Jason Foley right now. So watch it rise now. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm sorry to any of my friends who may have liked him late or anybody, but I just want to it's it's just such a cloudy area and why why go so early? Why? Like and you're taking what Lang instead of ahead of Fairbanks? Yeah, no, I don't know. Nowhere, absolutely. Oh, but the Rays are gonna wait anyway. All right, last last uh, bullet point here, Ryan. We're getting out of here. Yep. Um, So the outfielders in Detroit seems like Riley Green, Austin Meadows, 
pretty safe in terms of playing time, but they've got so many other interesting outfielders in this um, competing for playing time. And the the Soto trade brought over a couple new ones too. Um, so who else between Kerry Carpenter, 80, ADP 387, Keel Badu, 462, Matt Vierling, 479, and Nick Maton at 605, do you like? Uh, I like a little bit of each, if that, if that makes any sense. Um, I like a little bit of each for where they go. I think you can make a case for Carpenter's power. Didn't play it versus lefties, though, so that's going to hurt. So in a draft champions, you know, it might be a little tricky to, to cover him. Um, but do he's also pretty interesting because they're not clear steps forward like all the way around, but he did get a little better, you know. It, it, it wasn't horrible, but it was another step forward, more exposure to MLB pitching. Very aggressive on the base paths. Again, in this new environment, as long as he gets on, he might have a solid stolen base boost for your team. Um, Beerling and Matan, I like a lot, to be honest. I love their overall profiles. I think Beerling was a guy who was always in my conditional bids last year <laughs> because it was always a possibility that he was going to get time because of the outfield situation on the Phillies. I really, I think probably the least interested in Carpenter compared with his ADP, you know, yeah. which mm -hmm. is three, 387. But I have, I have no problem taking a shot on Badu at 462, Veiling at 479, and Matana at 605. They're probably going to rise. And that's fine. I guess then you're just going to have to look at that, you know, draw that line of where, because I mean, where, like, where they're going compared to the other guys next to them. But they've mentioned two moving Veerling and Matana around a lot. So that opens up the possibility for multi eligibility to in season, which right. could be um, pretty decent. But, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I think want they, some Badoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want some Badoo? Yeah, I want some Badoo. Um, right. Very small sample, but last year, um, end of the season, last twelve games, he hit he hit two sixty eight with a three sixty two OEP. Only twenty one percent K rate over those twelve games, and he stole five four bases, uh, five attempts. So, you know, there's there's could be something there. Could be something. He already showed us something in uh you know twenty twenty one. But um, definitely not somebody to, to forget about, I think, in his range. And, and I completely agree on, on Carpenter's ADP. I think it's probably a little too high, um, you know, given the platoon risk and, and whatnot. But everybody's so, so power hungry right now. That's probably why it's a little bit more elevated than, than these other options. But uh, yep, good point. Very good yeah, point. They, this, this group is, um, is, uh, I think we'll get like a lot it. of movement in this group too, like in spring training, yeah. right, Ryan? You know, I think once we start to see lineups, so who's playing we're, we're, that, that came out stupid, where, um, we might get a bigger picture, but, you know, yeah. um, 
they they all have interesting profiles to say the least. Like Nick Matan in such a small sample is is pretty you know, five homers and eighty five plate appearances, you know. Um very interesting. WRC plus was one thirty five and then Veerling hit the ball super hard, struck out only nineteen point six percent of the time. Um great contact rate. So definitely a a blend of guys here. I think I think if you could roll them all up into one guy, they'd be going in the top 150, but uh, we can't <laughs> <Right>. do that. <laughs> then we'd actually have a tiger who's going before 150. Uh, but this, all right, was, we did this it. was good, man. We did it. We were Damn. super efficient. There's some great information. You brought the goods. Really appreciate that. So there's a lot of uh, interesting nuggets you brought and dove deep on some of these guys. I'm sure your listeners, I know I appreciate it. I'm sure your listeners do too. So, I think it. I think it. I think it's great, man. I think it's great covering these guys that we're not really hearing a lot about on other podcasts as well. And yeah. um, not only it's going to be helpful in draft champions, you know, for like late round picks, um, but also to now we're starting to get to that threshold, like you know, the four fifty range, five hundred, like guys that are you're going to have to start thinking about when the fab leagues come too. Yep. You know, are they going to be uh, a guy I take a spec on, or they're going to be someone I pass on? So. Awesome, awesome, awesome. What's going on at Road to Wife? Are you, Ryan? Um, doing my closer save projections right now. Ooh, should I'm have excited. my closer rankings up sometime this week. So I'm really, really excited about that. Um, What's your first step in that projection process? First step for me is just to to pull um, project uh, projected win totals for all 30 MLB teams. Good. Just get an idea of, you know, what uh, Vegas is saying in terms of projected wins, kind of do some aggregations for, for, for those win totals. And then, uh, you know, I, I project saves for, for the team first um, based on those win totals. And we generally see last year, I think it was a little bit over 50%. The, um, there was a save in, in a, an MLB game. So generally be around there. Like if you just want to um, do just a quick projection, just take a wins and and do a rough 50%. Mm -hmm. But I, I go a little bit deeper than that. I, I take a look at uh, the last five years of um, save percentages for each team. Some are pretty high. Some are pretty low. Um, for example, I think the, I was looking at the, the Tigers, um, not projected to win many games, but their percentage of saves of team wins was has been pretty high. Um, you know, close playing games. a lot more closer close games exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, so I factor that in a little bit, and then um, once I have those those team save projections, I break it down uh, into players and going through um, looking at some of last year's trends, like Manuel Classe led led the league with an eighty two and a half percent save share. Um, there was about, uh, 10, 10 or so guys that had over 70%. So I'm not trying to like, I'm trying to take a look at those and, um, see what I can find, uh, in terms of a, a reasonable projection. So yeah, I'm really excited to put those out, um, putting a little bit more, uh, a lot more work into it this year than I, than I did last year, which, um, should hopefully help, uh, everyone who reads it and, reach their save projections targets in, in drafts. So I'm excited to put that out. 
Well, man, awesome. Thank you for your hard work. Thanks for the always being a great pod host with me. And um, we'll catch you guys next time on the AL West. And we'll do the same format. We'll bang it out. And I'm um, looking for that sometime next week. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Pull Hitter Podcast. Next week, we'll have an AL West breakdown with me and Ryan Roof. Make sure you catch Ryan on Twitter at Ryan Roof, R-U-F-E. I'll also have on Mr. Andrew Geller, who won the online championship on the NFBC and has had a really successful run in the last three years in that format. Pretty impressive. We'll get to talk to him about that. Griffin Bender, who's also was two teams in the top 10 overall in the online championship last season, which is the 12-team format on the NFBC. And then we'll have John Posma, number three overall last year in the 12-team online championship and Hall of Famer in the NFBC. We're going to be doing specifically geared for 12-team online championship will help you on your 12-team league, but they're also very successful in 15-team league, so we'll get a little bit of their opinion on that as well, but I really want to try to hammer out some 12-team focus, and we'll see what we can do from there. We'll get you ready for your 12-team league. The online championships are really starting to get rolled out on the NFPC. You can do one live at night, and it's fun. And um, a little different beast than the 15-team leagues, but we're... Going to get you ready for those for sure. That's what we do here on the Pull Hitter Podcast. Hope everyone enjoys this podcast. Everyone who has written a, a review, super, super thanks. It's awesome. Really cool reading the reviews. Uh, they've been rolling in heavy recently, and they leave me speechless. So it really touches me. I really appreciate it. And anyone who's found some actionable advice in this podcast and you enjoy listening to it anything can help so if you feel like you can spare another 90 seconds writing down uh, a little nice words that'd be great if not you can keep listening that's just as good and I'm going to keep you guys informed in the latest news we've got some big things coming up in the Bullheader podcast in the next couple of months and we're going to keep you really really grinding during the season we're going to have some a lot of stuff coming. A lot of stuff coming. So keep your ears and eyes out and open for that. Don't be a bag of shit. <laughs>